Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Germuga. Number one, Stephen Sondheim, Stan Cullen, actually. How dare. (laughs) (laughs) Emilio the Yes. All right, and today we are going to be finishing, not finishing, far from finishing, we're going to be continuing our uh, series on the uh, films of uh, the 2006 Cannes Film Festival competition. We're going to be talking about uh, Climates, the Nuri Bilgeselan film. Uh, And then we're also going to talk about Marriage Story, the Bombach film. Uh, and to do that, we are joined by uh, Bill Gaibiri. Yeah. Woo. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk, Kayla. I'm excited, too. I feel like usually when I'm on podcasts, it's to talk about, like, Michael Mann movies. And every once in a while, it's <laughs> to do somebody who's Michael Mann or Terrence. At least like I have like like two or three directors that people seem to always want to talk to me about. And mm-hmm. it's nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice to do uh, do something different. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was wondering, when was the first time you like watched a Ceylon movie or when did you become familiar with him? So the first film of his I saw was actually the, the first film he released called The Small Town um, or Kasaba in Turkish. Um, and it was, uh, I used to go to Turkey pretty regularly uh, during the summers. I haven't been back in a few years, but um, this would have been, I guess, 99, um, 1999 or so. Uh, I had... You know, I was looking in the paper. Um, one of the things I used to love doing was when I went to Turkey, I would try to see as many Turkish films as I could because it was impossible to find them anywhere else. Um, and um, and this was before they were coming out regularly on DVD or anything like that. Um, and I saw an ad in the newspaper for a, for a film called Kasaba, and it was you know by a director named Nuri Bilge Ceylan, and it had won a bunch of awards, I think and had also just been playing for a long time. At least that's how that, like the ad kind of made it sound like this was this you know, big international hit, which it wasn't, but, um, but it had been playing a while in this one theater. And I was drawn to it, honestly, I was drawn to it because of, of his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the interesting thing about the name Bilga in Turkish, it's, um, it, you know, it's, it's a unisex name, uh, but, Nowadays, you will find more women with the name Bilga. Uh, to, so much so that you know, when I when I go, I mean, I remember some years ago I went to the um, grocery store uh, and um, was paying, you know, with my credit card, and um, and and the clerk said, and it was this young woman said, no, no, you have to pay with your credit card, and I was like, what are you talking about? This is my credit card, and she was like, but it says Bilga on it, and I was like. Yeah, and she was like, "But you're a man," and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but I mean, originally, it's like it's like this Mongolian name. It's actually kind of this macho name from a long time ago. But uh, but over the years, it has become more and more a woman's name. So I was always fascinated by. I mean, I was just fascinated by someone. You know, it's not a totally uncommon name in Turkish, but um, you know, having grown up in the U.S. For most of my life with this weird name, it's just I'm just automatically drawn to the name. So I was like, "Oh, look." Here's a man named Belga who made a movie. I should go see it. <laughs> um, 
And I went and saw it. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't, I thought the first 20 minutes of the small town were fantastic, but I thought the rest of the film was kind of a disaster. Um, and I walked away from it thinking, gosh, you know, this guy's kind of a, this guy's kind of pretentious. I'm not sure I like this film. Um, so a few years later or a couple of years later when you released uh, Clouds of May, I think I came across like a poster for it or something. And, and was, I don't know that I had a chance to see it. Um, I don't think it was playing when I was in Turkey, but I remember thinking, yeah, I don't know, this, this guy's last film I didn't really like very much. Um, looks like this one won some awards too, but I'm <laughs> gonna skip it. Um, but then in 2003, I was in uh, Istanbul. Um, I was actually at the Istanbul Film Festival with, with a film of mine and uh, Distant was there. And Distant at that point had been uh, released in Turkey actually. This is an interesting thing because 2003 was when Distant played uh, Cannes, but it had actually come out in Turkey the year before and had won a bunch of awards. It had mm. won some really big awards and was kind of like the big movie in Turkey to see, even though it hadn't been very you know, financially successful. So I went to, so I was at the, you know, I was at the same festival um, and it had, you know, I went to see it uh, because it just had all this, you know, acclaim and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And then that was also when, like I was there when it was announced that it was going to be showing in competition at Cannes, which was a big deal for a Turkish film at the time. I think it was the first time that it happened for competition at wow. least. I was the first film in a long time. Um, possibly since Yol, I'm not sure. Um, and uh, so that was, you know, I mean, by that point I was kind of familiar with him and you know, I saw Distant and I was like, this is fantastic. This is the, one of the greatest Turkish films I've ever seen. So after that, I was a fan. Yeah, and then as far as the kind of can story goes, that is, that's the first, Distant is the first one in competition and then everything he's made since then I'm pretty sure has been in competition it can most of them have won awards this uh climates is actually I think one of a run where it's the only one that didn't win a big award uh, I think he won the Grand Prix a couple of times he won director and then Winter Sleep won the Palm yeah it's it's interesting because I feel like um yeah, I think Climates won like a Fipreski award. Yeah, yeah, yes, I saw that. Yeah, and and um, you know, I remember uh, the year of Distant. You know, Distant was, I think, the most acclaimed film in competition, um, and you know, I was hoping against hope that it would win the Palm, and of course, it didn't. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, it won like it won enough awards that it was kind of like, yeah, this is actually a movie we really liked. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, and then so every every time he was there, I was always kind of rooting for him. In in many cases, I hadn't seen the films. Um, you know, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I saw Distant before Cannes, but you know, I wasn't I wasn't going to Cannes regularly at that time, so I wasn't going to Cannes at all during that time. So you know, all these films I would see show up at Cannes, I go, oh gosh, you know, I hope it wins, I hope it wins, I hope it wins. And then of course, finally, Winter Sleep wins the Palm. And of course, that's the one Jaylon film that I'm like, I really just do not like that. Now you can't win anything because they feel like they've given him so many prizes. Yeah. Like I thought Wild Pear Tree right. was fantastic, but yeah. I knew there was mm -hmm. no way in hell that thing was winning anything at that point. Right. He's an um, interesting guy. Um, 
I've only seen this uh, wild pear tree in uh, Once Upon a Time in Anatolia, and like yeah. Anatolia, I had like a hard time with. Like it's very uh, sparse. Like that one's like long and just like not a lot going on. Like uh, when I watched it, at least I was like had a hard time with it. Uh, and wild pear tree is just like all conversation, and I think it is like even longer than Anatolia, but moves by at such a clip, and it's like so. Uh, like thrilling and just like these like debates that they have and like that's like the whole structure of it and it worked really well and then this one i like sort of it's like a mix of the two in a way but it's so much shorter that it just feels like near impenetrable <laughs> like i watched it like a few hours ago and i'm like this is so dense but i think like it i, I think it is this one is like really uh like interesting in a way that i'm like i need to watch it again like soon i think uh, yeah, I mean, I have a similar experience to Cullen with it, where I had, well, I basically only watched those three, and Wild Pear Tree is, like, by far my favorite. That's a movie that I got to, I, the, it's also, like, maybe not coincidentally the only one I've seen in a theater. It's the only one I got to, like, I, I went and saw it on a trip to New York and actually got to sit with it in a theater at Film Forum, and that, like, certainly enhanced my enjoyment, and it certainly has got me to vibe more with like Ceylon's film like so, so when I watch climates now I, f I certainly got more of what he was going for and it's sort of like mix of these sort of not real or like fantasy sequences into like a more linear structure the way he yeah. uses conversation and like some of it is like he's um, he's great at composition and it, it certainly shines in this film in Wild Pear Tree yeah I don't know about what Andy or Jesse thought about yeah yeah, um, yeah. I had only seen Wild Pear Tree, which we watched sort of as a, we. It was a, a catch-up point for all of us last year. So I've, I, both of them, I've only seen at home. This one, yeah. I mean, it was this is this was one I had a little bit of a harder time with. Um, it the just connecting with it, and that might just be more just like the current state of world and what my attention span is more than anything. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it was interesting, and like uh, the I did like. Just, like, the the very basic of, like, the title being climates and, like, there being, like, so many different, like, outdoor climates that they experience, I thought was, like, it was, like, oh, yeah, like, this is, like, like, even just on that level, I was, like, this is, like, very, this is, this, there's, there's something going on here that I'm, like, that I, that I'm, that I find intriguing and that I want to, like, spend some time with and explore. Um, that's, that was my initial sort of, like, yeah, takeaway from it. Jesse? Yeah, I mean, I... I've seen the same three films now that uh, Cullen and Emilio have. Uh, is there a reason why we all watched Once Upon a Time in Anatolia? Did I watched we just it. All feel uh, like watching it. I watched it last year just like for best of the decade, like catch up. Okay, yeah, that's probably why I watched it too. Uh, and yeah, so I, I think I really responded particularly to the visual language of this film i found myself more drawn in than i have been by a film in a little while uh just by that and i think that at the very beginning is just so strong especially with the the kind of close-ups and some oh. of the soft focus at the scene at the beach towards the beginning where they break up and you have this scene where you think that uh, the main character, Issa, is kind of rehearsing yeah. breaking up with his girlfriend. And then, 
eventually you realize that he's actually doing it. Uh, yeah, that is, and it, it kind of, it happens very slowly because she is in the scene, but you've just seen what is, uh, uh, a dream that she has had, so you're thinking, oh, is he kind of similarly uh, imagining her there while he's uh, re- he, he has started to rehearse breaking up with her, and then she appears, and you realize eventually, oh no, he actually, they actually are breaking up. Uh, and yeah, that starting off pretty early i guess that's after kind of the introduction and then there's the dinner scene uh i feel that um you know having seen his films in order in the order in which they they've made they've been made and also just having followed his career sort of since the beginning um i do think that certain patterns emerge and and i and i and i'm and i feel like i'm kind of lucky to have experienced the films in that way because you know, he, I mean, actually the one film of his that I didn't see until a bit later was, um, was his very first film. It was, it was short. It was like 20 minutes yeah. long or something like that. It's called Koza or Cocoon. Uh, and he actually won some award, um, like a short film award. I think like a can, I think there's like a can for short films. And I think he won like the, the main prize there for that. Um, but, um, you know, that film is so abstract. I mean, it's it's like an avant-garde film. There's no real story in it. Um, and, you know, if you look at that film and then you look at the first 20 minutes of uh, The Small Town, um, you would really, if you, if, the, if you know, if the first 40 minutes of film that Nuribilga Jaylan released was all you knew of him, you would think, oh, this guy is an experimental filmmaker. He's kind of a non-narrative type. Um, and um, and then uh, small town, the you know the the, the next two thirds or three fourths of the small town is actually all talk. It's just uh, you know people talking um, around a, a campfire, and um, it doesn't really work very well because he's also not you know he's he, it's all post synchronized dialogue, so it's all mm-hmm. just, and it's very low budget, so it's really awkward. But that was also another Chekhovian film of his. Um, and, you know, the abstraction in his films, I think, has kind of increased over the course of his career. You know, dis- in Distant, it's very controlled. There are a couple of scenes that kind of feel like dream sequences. Um, but most of the film has this, you know, even though it's, you know, very, you know, arty and deadpan, it has, for the most part, it's kind of a realistic um, you know, it's stylized in a realistic way. And, um, but in climates is when the abstraction kind of is woven a little bit more into mm-hmm. a narrative story. So it's not, yeah. you'd never walk away from it thinking, oh, this is an experimental film, but that, especially that, that first scene on the beach when, um, you know, when they're having, when she has the dream of him yeah, you know, with the putting the sand on her, and the way that that becomes, um, you know, and you realize it's a dream sequence, that I feel like kind of starts to govern the rest of the movie. So there's so many scenes throughout the film where like, am I watching an actual thing or is this a dream? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that kind of uncertainty. I think I think he, 
I mean, for me, I think he makes that uncertainty work really well so that you're always on the edge of not quite knowing where you stand in terms mm-hmm. of this narrative. Um, and, you know, which, which turns out to be a really interesting way to watch a relationship fall apart because in, in so many ways, you know, a relationship falling apart. And in fact, I think Marriage Story does this in, a, in an interesting way as well, though in a totally different way. A relationship falling apart is is a way in which you know it fragments into two one story fragments into two separate stories, um, mm-hmm. and and two two separate perspectives that are often at odds with one another. Which is why I think um, there's this kind of very this wonderful uh, uncertainty about so much of climates that I really like. Um, though you know, I mean, for I think uh, in retrospect. You know, I think more people have come to appreciate climates, but I think at the time it was seen as something of a misstep. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know what the broader consensus about it was, yeah. but among the people I knew who were like going to Cannes and seeing Norbega Jalon films at festivals and things like that, mm-hmm. um, which is admittedly a small handful of people, mm-hmm. <laughs> most of them were kind of like, yeah, man, not as good as the others. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of... Um watching Hong Sang Soo movies and like you talking about the uncertainty uh, and even just the um, you saying like you can track sort of the trajectory of his career like in seeing it in order we did an episode on uh, the three Hongs that came out like for the first time in the states this year uh, with Dan Salit and he was talking about uh, how like because uh, one of the movies was Woman on the Beach and it's like one of his last of like the 2000s and it doesn't really have any of his like uh quirks or like uh eccentricities where like you don't know like what the vibe is at all and i we were talking about it and he was like yeah like before he was just like sort of the guy and then he like started doing these weirder things and it's interesting that like jaylon is also I, i guess like in a way uh not honing but like just getting um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, he's, like, uh, fixating more on, like, the uncertainty, like you were saying. And, like, Wild Pear Tree specifically, I have, like, the memories of, uh, there's, like, the shots of, like, um, the dad, like, buried in the ground and then, like, the baby also. And it's, like, you, uh, you, you have to, like, it'll, like, snap you out of, like, the reality of the movie or the, like, unreality of it in a way. Yeah, it it certainly plays at like this interesting contrast, especially like within the context of this movie and like a relationship of just like what him, the main character Issa, trying to figure out like what he wants and like what that would take, like what form that would take place in, and just that sort of contrast of just like him not knowing what he actually wants from this and like the sort of that's but that's where the questions come like start manifesting itself of just like well is what am i seeing right now what he thinks he wants or what am i seeing right now what is actually happening to him and is there some sort of and is there even something larger at play of just like because the movie sort of comes to this conclude sort of comes to the conclusion in my reading of it of like well it's more of a movie about him realizing that just like that he needs to move on and he doesn't want any more anything else from this that like any sort of 
reconciliation or like that might exist within this is a sort of fantasy of his and not what actually is going to take place or what is healthy for him and it's as you mentioned uh, Belga it, it is it, it that sort of uncertainty becomes very interesting in that sort of relationship dynamic of just like sitting and thinking about what another person wants and what you want and where those things might diverge yeah, I thought it was really interesting how some of the abstraction plays out just like in terms of what the order of the scenes is. Like yeah. there's, I think, a scene towards the middle of the film where him and a co-worker are in a sauna and the co-worker is kind of telling him about his relationship and he's saying, oh yeah, we were engaged and then I was kind of... I think he's maybe saying he was worried that she was maybe a little too controlling or just he was worried about the relationship and he's like, oh yeah, and then I left her. And then I think the scene ends there and then there's another scene, but then that scene basically just kind of picks back up in their office and the co-worker then is saying, oh yeah, and then and then she was so worried that we got back together and everything was great and now we're going to get married and yeah. it just, in you know, it does it to kind of... It's like to have that the two scenes in different locations basically just flow into each other. Almost have the second one seem to contradict the end of the first one is really interesting. Yeah, it's that that guy is saying, you know, in, in the second part of that, he's he's saying, yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 all fixed. Don't worry, she's never gonna she's never gonna do that again. Like he's convinced <laughs> right. that he's like brought this mm -hmm. brought this woman in line. Um, and it's interesting because it's hard to tell how long it's been, you yeah, know, right. like, it's, it's, like, I'm like, has it been like months or has it, is it like two days later? And it's really hard. I mean, you, that happens throughout this film where you're kind of not sure exactly how much time has elapsed, which also, which I, which I think also helps the kind of disorienting quality yeah. of the movie. Mm -hmm. I do think the, the Hong um, comparison is interesting. This last, now, you know, re-watching it now, I, I was reminded of Hong. Obviously, back then, I didn't know Hong's work that well, so I wasn't thinking of him. Um, um, but um, I, the one thing I think Jaylan does, and I think this is why, for me, he's above a lot of other directors who do this kind of thing. I, I love Hong, but Jaylan has such a great eye. Yeah. I mean, he started off as a photographer such an incredible ability to to craft images that can both be sort of very you know you know sometimes very realistic or, or mundane but still really striking visually um so that every scene becomes otherworldly in a, in a way um and i just find that um you know i find that mesmerizing which is why i find mm -hmm. you know despite the fact that his films can often be considered difficult i find it very easy to watch them um and um, I mean, you know, it's that's why I think Anatolia is such a great film. I mean, Anatolia is, is the film, I think, where the abstraction kind of reaches, you know, yeah. I mean, just completely takes over the movie. Um, but I find it, you know, just riveting because he, he's such a he's so strong visually. Um, and that film is so uh, mesmerizing visually. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, you know, I, I feel like that's something that allows you to kind of watch 
what is otherwise a kind of mundane story about two people breaking up, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, because, uh, uh, like, when we originally were do thinking of, like, because the way we like to, you know, pair a movie with these uh, 06 cans, we were, like, uh, thinking of something with, that was, like, you know, uh, shot on, like, early digital, like, DV, and uh, when I was watching this, I was like, this looks insanely good. Like, the quality of the version I watched was just, um, it, it just looked insane. And I was like, I don't know if this would have, like, <laughs> like, I think it was, like, a good move to pivot to sort of, like, another movie that was sort of a, just, uh, like, a domestic drama in a way. Because, like, I don't think it has the vibe of, like, uh, those early digitals, like, that are shot on, like, Sony DV cams. Like, this looks... Uh, it, it just, like, looked incredible. And then I think also was uh, interesting. It's, like, this was, like, his first high-definition digital video uh, shot. And the thing of, like, Wild Pear Tree is there's all the, like, uh, sort of, like, sparse thin, um, like, GoPro shots that, uh, like, whenever he's, like, walking around. Like, I think whenever he's, like, in a conversation, the lead in um, Wild Pear Tree, it's, like, more traditional cameras. And then, like, when he's, like, on his walks, it's, like, uh, like a lower quality like uh, GoPro and it's interesting like I don't really can I, I, I mean I guess I could just be underseen but in my head it's not uh, Jalon is not someone who I uh, would like think of as like a digital video guy but I mean it makes sense and like he really like Amelia was saying with the composition he like is using everything here like there's a scene where they're um, where they like reconnect back um, like near the end and they're like in the bed together and it's like a shot of like half of her face and then just like arms sort of like flailing around and it just looks incredible. And then also like the scene with the assault is like insane looking where they like end up like getting like thrust into the camera near the end. And like it's just a static shot and it, uh, it was like it's a really brutal scene but it looks uh, like nothing I had really seen like lately at least. Like when they're like hitting the camera it was just crazy crazy. <laughs> Yeah, not to pivot away from that scene, but to follow up on what you were saying just about the the digital and how that looks. What I was thinking of, rather than, yeah, like the kind of early digital stuff, like maybe Soderbergh that we were thinking of earlier, is like when Fincher switches to digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he maybe is one of the earlier people still switching, but like by the time he has moved to digital, like it looks great. Oh, yeah, like, I mean, he, it, it's been, like, I think Zodiac, the year after this, is his first digital film. And so that, that is, like, what this feels closer yeah. to in terms of just, like, it looks, you know, it looks just like any, you know, you can maybe tell that it's shot digitally, but it looks as good as the, the fidelity, I guess, but also just the you know, just the way the camera looks is is as impressive as any other film. Yeah. The assault scene, um, like, you were talking, like, sort of the timeline and, like, how it goes. Because then, like, later there's a scene where they're just, like, having a chat and, like, sort of being flirty. And I, like, had to go back. I was like, did I miss something? Like, this was the most intense thing I have, like, ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's there's that line... You know, the second time when he's with that woman, um, you know, where uh, she asks, oh, you know, um, uh, how's, is it Bahar? Uh, the, the, um, 
his uh you know his girlfriend yeah. and, and he yeah. says and he mentions that they've broken up and, and she's like oh you broke up you didn't tell were you broken up the last time you were here you know and, and he's like you didn't tell me um i was like you people didn't speak <laughs> you yeah know, like right um, through nuts so, in mouth. You know, there's that weird kind of like and then you're like oh was she resisting in that way because she thought he was still with her uh, you know and it's, it's, it's such yeah. a yeah it's so i mean it's such a disturbing scene um but and this is a very i mean it's a very difficult balance that he strikes yeah or for for a film made back then i, I don't even know how it would play today but mm-hmm. um where there is this uncertainty throughout the scene I mean, as, as brutal and as, as disturbing as it is there's this weird uncertainty throughout the film throughout the scene where you're kind of like wait is this am i watching a rape or is this kind of how these two people are yeah you know right. mm-hmm. and and it's it's really like you you don't quite know what to what to do with that and then the next scene you know when they're when she's like having him over again you're kind of like okay now i'm really confused yeah that's when um, i was like i was like th- did i like miss like a conversation where they're like talking about like you know role play or whatever um, you saying how it would play today. The last thing I can think of that like does a similar scene is L, which uh, we watched, and that's like when I just the sort of like static shot of this assault, like that is like uh, just like it's just brutal. Like um, I was like, this is like L, and I uh, and that is also one that sort of plays with like what the relationship between the people are uh, like much more obviously than this does but um yeah it's like it's it's really uh one to think about (laughs) it is interesting in terms of playing differently i did after i watched it go and read several reviews from like critics who are really good uh and i think critics who i think of as being like pretty socially conscious and at the time i don't none of them referred to even the possibility of that scene being an assault or a rape, That's which crazy. I thought was really interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. It's interesting also because, you know, he, um, you know, because he has cast himself and his wife, um, yeah, and they're not, you know, I mean, they're not actors. Uh, no. I mean, I, I, he's not an actor. I, I, I don't think she, I mean, she has shown up a couple of times in his films, but, I, you know, I don't think of her as an actor, um, and you know they're obviously. I think they're very good in the, in the yeah. film, but you know because he's cast. You know because the two of them are in this movie. Um, you're you're automatically you assume that there is some autobiographical quality to this thing. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it becomes pretty clear early on that there maybe there is, but like. But you you still have this residue of thinking this is a variation on them. So for him to present his character in this light, yeah, in that yeah. scene, is really really just striking because you're kind of like, whoa, mm-hmm. what what is happening? Like this is not, yeah. you know, th- this is not a dude justifying his own, um, you know, his his perspective in a in a breakup or anything like that. No, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's like. And then, like, later when they're on the bus talking about it, and she's like, did you see, you know, Sarap? And he's like, like, you know, 30-second pause. He's like, no, I did not. It's like, come on, dude. What a scumbag. 
Yeah, um, it looked through straight in the eyes. Yeah, it's insane. I was like, it, it just like thinking of it. <laughs> I was just in thinking of it in terms of like what a real life conversation would be. I'm like, you can't take a pause that long and it not show up as a lie. Like, yeah. it's obviously <laughs> just a lie. And I mean, you know, uh, I think the way that they handle that, like the bus scene is like very, uh, very good. I do think she's good. Uh, you were saying... Uh, he's not much of an actor. Having seen like the rest of his work, is he, is he in any of the other movies, or is it just this one? Um, he's not in any of the others. As, as far as I can remember, I don't think he. I mean, he certainly doesn't isn't starring in the any lead, of the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. According to, according to his wiki, this climax is the only one where one of the notes is also actor. None of the other ones have a note that he is also the actor yeah. in it. Yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I, th- I, I was. I'm, I'm trying to remember if maybe he's like a voice somewhere in um, Wild Pear Tree, but I might have made that up. But yeah, no, this is the. I mean, this is the one time that he acted. Yeah, and I think that like that is one of the more interesting elements that, and I think it ta- it definitely does play into the stuff that we've been talking about in terms of like. The, the your uncertainty as to like what is real and what isn't real right like there it just adds that other layer on there of like is it real within the world of the film is it real within the world of these two people actually right yeah. and like all that sort of all those things interact with each other throughout the whole movie and yeah when you get to like those like that brutal scene the brutal assault scene and all that stuff it's it really is like wow like we're really like seeing something very like deep and like honest in some way uh and and it's it's yeah that that is i think that element throughout the whole movie is like is 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 one of the more things that makes you like really sit up and pay attention and be like what what is really going on here and and who and what is being revealed about who and and when um yeah there's something about you know the idea of him casting himself uh in this film that I, i find interesting so he and are you guys familiar with the Turkish filmmaker Zeki Demirkubuz? Is has no. he ever come up? You know, Demirkubuz and Jaylan kind of came up together. And in fact, I think for a while they were like using the same camera. Okay. <laughs> and in fact, if you ever watched the uh, you know, I mean they were very, they were close collaborators, with good friends. They were like the two you know, Turkish independent filmmakers who were really making a splash in the in the early two thousands, um, and um, and Demir Kubuz, I think, sometime before Distant had you know appears in competition. I think I don't know if it was the year before, or a couple of years before that. Demir Kubuz actually has two films at Cannes, which was a big deal. I don't think either of them was in, neither was in competition, but. Um, but it was a big deal for two Turkish films to be, you know, within that the, the can vortex um, that year, and so he kind of pops a little bit on on the international circuit. And in fact, I remember in New York, um, Anthology Film Archives did a retrospective of his work before anything was, you know, before anyone knew who the hell Jaylan was. Um, and Demir Kubuz. And Jaylon have this very interesting relationship where they, they were very close for a while and they had kind of this falling out. Um, and I, I believe the falling out happened around the time of Three Monkeys because I think mm. Three Monkeys in some weird way was originally going to be a Demir Kubla's film. Um, 
and there was some kind of I don't know. Somebody felt betrayed by somebody. I don't. I don't hmm. know the exact. I've only kind of heard rumors about this, um, but I think they're friends again. Um, but in 2003, Demir was kind of on the in the wake of his international moment, makes this movie called The Waiting Room, um, which is based, which is, I think is based partly on a Dostoevsky story. But he plays, he he acts in that one. Um, and that was a very strange choice at the time. And of course, it's, it's. I'm a big fan of Demir Kovacs' films, but that movie is terrible. Um, <laughs> so, so just like two years later, you hear Jaylon suddenly starring in his own movie, um, and uh, and of course doing a far better job than Demir Kovacs did. I don't know. I always think of these two guys as like their own little, like what the '70s American film yeah. movement. Like it's just these two guys, but yeah. they, their own little dick measuring contest throughout the 2000s. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, that's why. So I, him casting himself in that light, I'm always wondering: is this, was this a way to just like prove to Demir Kovacs that he could do it better than he could? <laughs> that's very funny. Uh, that's really. I, I mean, I think he's good in it. Like that's the yeah, yeah. fascinating. It's like. And not even like graded on a he's not an actor curve. I think he gives like a pretty, I mean, charismatic is maybe not the word for it, but he's like, he's like, he's pretty engaging to watch. And he's sort of a fascinating person to like have your eyes on, which is sort of what this movie needs because it's sort of playing so much on like who is this guy and what is he thinking at any given moment so it does sort of have to be internal about him like he obviously is giving himself a lot of like leeway by how expressive the use of contrast and fantasy is in it but it also sometimes just needs to sit with him and his and his wife and they both like perform admirably in it yeah Yeah. he is magnetic in a way like in that scene the assault scene like when it's just him eating the nuts and like staring her down it's like what is this guy about to do like it it just pivots to being like so scary so quickly and it's like all just like just in the way that he's filming everything it's just like all like his face and then her face and he just has like the most like intense look as he's like crunching these like expired hazelnuts or whatever (laughs) yeah that that um the the dinner scene early in the film before all this stuff um, where they're with their their friend um, and it's this just this wide shot, you know, long take. Um, and, you know, obviously he, uh, with distance, he kind of mastered the deadpan. Um, and, and, but in that scene, in that dinner, dinner table scene, it starts, starts off in that kind of deadpan, long pause style, where mm-hmm. at first you're kind of like, okay, this is just kind of the way this story is being told with these long pauses, but then slowly each of those long pauses starts to become very tense. You're like, oh no, no, this is actually like a scene of normal people with these long pauses. This is not like stylization. This is like a really awkward (laughs) dinner table conversation (laughs) we're watching where like people are like not talking to each other for, you know, five second stretches and and everybody's wondering what the hell is happening. and I love how that scene. I mean, you know, I, one thing about Jaylon that um, that I, I, you know, I always wonder about is it's hard for me to tell how his dialogue and his performances or the performances of his actors translate um, 
to a non-Turkish speaking audience. I mean, obviously, you know, Distant and a couple of films are acclaimed for their performances, but I find them so realistic and so true to the, the like the cadences of just the way the Turks I know talk, especially because so many Turkish films are so bad about that. Um, but that's one of the things that first, you know, that, that really enchanted me about Distant when I first saw it. I, was like, I feel like this, I'm, well, I'm watching the, the first Turkish film I've ever seen in which the characters actually talk like the people I know. Um, but that dinner table scene in Climates, I mean, you know, it's mostly three people, although it's technically four people because mm -hmm. there's somebody else, you know, she goes to go, you know, make the coffee. I feel like I have, through, over the course of my life, been each of those people at that time. <laughs> I have been the person who is like giving everyone the silent treatment. I have been the person who is like slowly getting really annoyed at my friend giving people the silent yeah. treatment. I have been the person who's like really freaked out by the by what's going on with the couple and I'm yeah. trying to just like, oh no, no, it's fine. No, it's totally fine. She doesn't have to speak. <laughs> um, and I have also been the person who like pieced out to go get coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the move. <laughs> like yeah it's the, the sort of pettiness of it i was like that was like very like hongi and like as well yeah. where i was like just the way that uh she's like that's not true or whatever and like cutting down everything he's saying and then they just like sit in silence um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting because it's also like it's funny like the other scene that i think about within the movie is like this when they're in at the van uh, towards the end where they're having where he's sort of trying to have like this reconciliation with her and he's trying to like pitch her on like please leave with me let's go ha we can come back and they're just he's just like c constantly getting interrupted by people coming into the van and, mm -hmm. and just like the slow mounting embarrassment over like him realizing that he's sort of doing this in public and it's like a, a guy comes in and drops off a camera and he just has to be quiet for a couple of seconds which is like it's a very that's another it's just like very interestingly balanced of like it's sort of sincere you sort of are sort of left to figure out like what what's really happening here how do these people really feel about each other and also it's sort of like again funny just like it because it had like a consistent comedic beat throughout which is sort of like you it's you could think of that scene as the climax so it's sort of interesting how like offbeat it is compared yeah. to some of the more like direct emotional stuff that's going on in the movie I don't know if anyone has anything else to say, and we could obviously dip back. I think we should maybe pivot to marriage story a bit, um, just yeah. in talking, especially about like what is and isn't autobiography. Yeah, that. I think, yeah, that's I think the uh, the certainly the element that that is probably most prevalent between these two movies. Um, yeah, it's, and, and 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 I think like yeah, the thing with Marriage Story, right, is like it's. Uh, Bombach like very publicly went through his divorce. Like if you're like a, a film watcher and like n like and obviously like uh, and 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 you're like very well aware of his story and like what what and what the movie is and you know there there was like when he was doing like the festival circuit and doing interviews right like everyone was asking him like so how much of this is like based on real life and like that was like the the question he had to answer over and over with Marriage Story was like how much of it was real. Uh, and of course, like, it, you know, there's, there's a lot on its face. Like they're both in creative fields. Like, uh, Charlie is a director, uh, although of, of theater and, and, um, and Scarlett Johansson is an actress and, 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 and there, there, there's all that stuff in there. But, um, 
yeah, it's it it is it like that is I think that's one I I think it's like a little bit unfair that like that was so much of like what the conversation was around marriage story at the time. It like I find it a little frustrating in that like that's like what people are interested in is like the gossip on Noah Baumbach's failed marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh because I think like yeah, it it is like I think a very fascinating portrait on its own of like charting two characters' journeys in terms of where are they at with each other, right? And, like, it, like, because the, the, the central thing that I, like, love about Marriage Story is, like, is how behind her he is, right? Like, how Charlie, mm-hmm. like, has, does not really get it yet, uh, how, how it's over and the, mm-hmm. and the way in which it's over, and how the, the journey of that movie for me is sort of charting, like, how much is he, like, really get, getting into it, and how much is he starting to understand, like, the, his, what his failures were that like led to the end of this marriage and and led to these these things that are that are so frustrating him in that movie yeah it's interesting i would say maybe my hypothesis about autobiography as it relates to these two films is that maybe in climates there is kind of autobiography to some of the character like they are because they're playing themselves and he's he's writing and is is directing himself there's maybe kind of truth it's just sort of bringing more truth to that character but like plot wise it's not really it's kind of obviously not autobiographical in that he is still now with his wife uh whereas i think plot wise marriage story maybe is just kind of taking the bones of what happened to with Bob Bach's marriage, you know, like I think he, you know, he did have a young child though. I think maybe, I think maybe when he got divorced, uh, his child was younger than the child in marriage story is. But yeah, I think that's the thing is that maybe the characters in marriage story, I don't know that they're meant to be, as autobiographical i think they are just meant to be characters maybe yeah i mean i think it's like interesting one of the reasons why it invited that sort of like comparison to sort of like dive into his personal life is because he already made a movie about divorce he made the squid and the whale which is very which has its Mm -hmm. very own specific perspective of just like from a kid just like witnessing your parents divorce and what that does to your parents Mm -hmm. and how you respond to that so him coming back that well again but with a renewed perspective sort of does invite like the well is this you as a grown up perspective about your divorce which it sort of might be the reason for that but it is I mean it's sort of there's a lot to think and talk about Mary's story at it yeah what I find interesting about the, I mean the difference between the two films is uh, you know you're, you're absolutely right that in one, you are brought into the you know potentially autobiographical element via the fact that the two you know the two people are playing you know that the director and his wife are playing the two characters in mm-hmm. in Marriage Story. Um, it's our recognition of the fact that you know he and Jennifer Jason Lee went through this public divorce, um, but also I think the the thing about the two films is 
you know, climates gives you in, in some ways so little about these people. You know very little about yeah. the two people in right. climates. I mean, we know like, you know, we know what she does for a living. We know what he does for a living. But there's very little sense of what their relationship was like. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's very little sense of like what they even saw in each other. Um, you know, it's, 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 I mean, it's minimalist in that way. Right. But, you know, we, we, we recognize like gestures, we recognize attitudes, we recognize situations that feel very real and very honest. Um, marriage story takes the opposite approach because it's just so much stuff. It's just accumulation of all this detail. Like, I mean, that the opening, you know, five minutes or whatever is that's you could create like three different movies out of all the stuff that yeah. you know they, the two of them give you about each other um and you know and i think the way that film works it's magic is there's so much in there and so much of it is so relatable in in various ways i mean i was talking just now about how that dinner table scene in climates is so relatable <laughs> you know on every level um and you know, I mean, I, I was watching Marriage Story again um, last night. I was like, you know, the, the part where he says, um, you know, she seems to have a, a, a cup of tea brewing at, you know, constantly that she somehow never drinks. I was like, oh my God, that's my wife. <laughs> like, like, yeah. There's always a cup of tea brewing like on our kitchen, ta- kitchen table. I'm like, who's going to drink this? Um, and, uh, you know, but there's so many little details like that. Um, yeah throughout the film or you know situations it's just it's just such an accumulation of that kind of detail and you realize so much of that comes from real life you know so much of that comes Mm -hmm. either from their relationship or from things he knows about other people um and so the film achieves a kind of honesty and and rawness through just that accumulation of detail um which i find you know overwhelmingly powerful and you're right i mean it did I mean, he was, I mean, he was asking for it with the way he made the film, but it is unfair in in some ways how so many critics, especially, I mean, look, New York critics, I think have a bit of a Noah Baumbach bug up their butt, like, because some of them (laughs) knew his mom and, and because, you know, they've kind of, you know, he's kind of grown up here as a filmmaker. And, you know, there were a lot of critics who were like, well, you know, he's not, being entirely truthful about what happened. I'm like, but it's, he's not making a documentary. Like it's not yeah, like, yeah. you know, right. I mean, I, I suppose in, in some senses he's, you know, eating his cake and having it too. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he is making a fiction film about two people who are not named Noah Baumbach and Jennifer Jason Lee. So you exactly. kind of have to, yeah. you know, go with it. Um, but so many people were like, to them, it seemed like he was score settling or, not being truthful about, you know, what really broke his relationship up. Um, and, you know, when you see the film in that light, it's hard, I think, sometimes to catch some of the subtler things that it's doing in the way it shifts perspective, in the way that it kind of starts off as his movie, but then by the end you realize she was right about everything. <laughs> um, That's the thing. Right. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, so I think... I feel, I mean, I love Marriage Story. I, I you know, I, I love it to death. I yeah. saw it long before it came out um, last year. And when I saw it, I was like, this is the best American movie of the year. Um, in that vacuum, I thought it was just fantastic. Um, I do think that it will eventually be acknowledged as one of the best films of this decade. Um, 
or last decade, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. And uh, it'll be, I mean, I'm convinced that it's going to like go down as an American masterpiece. I could be wrong about this, but. Um, yeah. The, uh, I watched it because um, I think like everyone else uh, here saw it at TIFF last year. And I didn't get to, so I, I didn't get to see it until it came out, like, on Netflix or whatever. Um, but even still, like, watching it day of Netflix, you're still, like, seeing it before the discourse. And this is, like, a movie, because it was, like, both of the big Netflix movies, like, last winter were, like, This and the Irishman. And there was both, both of those just people wouldn't shut the hell up about. And uh, <laughs> it was a movie that, like, I liked a lot as I was watching it, and it sort of waned for me a bit and, like... Rewatching it the other day, I was like, this is like better than I remember it. And the complaint, like you were mentioning, of them, uh, people like sort of saying that it favors uh, Driver's side is insane to me. I can't imagine that. Because I was watching it, I was like, Driver is such an asshole in this movie. And like, <laughs> I feel like in a way that it is not like, if it is autobiograph- uh, autobiographical, then it is like a very just like, Look, I, like, fucked up. This is, like, I was a bad person a lot of the time. Because, like, none of what he does is, like, sweet. (laughs) Like, there's bits of him being nice. And, like, obviously they show the sort of um, romance between them. But it's, like, the whole time, it's, like, dude, you gotta, like, understand that she is done with it. And he's just, like, Mm -hmm. complaining about everything and, like, being an asshole to the kid. And I was just, like, how does anyone watch this movie and be, like, they're so, like, they make Scarlett Johansson... Uh, like the villain of the movie i'm like that is an insane take that i do not get at all yeah i yeah i i i very much agree yeah that like Mm -hmm. it's really like especially like by the time you get to like her like monologue to laura dern where she just like tells the story of her relationship and like actually like let's go for the first time yeah especially in contrast with the opening scene with the mediator where she's like so closed up and it's like very clear that she doesn't feel comfortable like sharing anything approaching like feelings with him but then she's able to open up and share those feelings with laura dern later when she's talking about like how she has how like all these little like these little compromises she has made has really really left her feeling like totally shut out of like having any sort of agency in her life you know um the yeah that like that one from that on there's like maybe one moment like the only moment where i'm like well i'm not sure like that was the right thing is like when you find out that she like went and like met with a bunch of lawyers to to maybe shut him out uh from from getting like okay representation or whatever like that's the only moment where i'm like I'm not sure she should have done that, but everything else, I think she's like totally justified in in basically everything she does for the rest of the movie. And that's the other thing of like sort of finding the comparisons between the two movies as I was watching Climates is like Marriage Story in a way that like other Bombbox aren't is like very like just like it's like one big scene. Like there's like uh, you know it's a bit like there's some stuff thrown in, but it's like there's the big scene with Laura Dern. There's, like, the big scene with uh, them with, uh, when it's, like, him and Alda and her and Dern, where they're, like, having the first mediation and, or, like, sort of, you know, whatever it's called, um, back and forth. And he, like, uh, and Alda, like, tries to tell the joke. Um, and then it's just, like, big scene, big scene, big scene in a way that I was, like, this is, like, because it's long for Bombach, I think. It's, like, a little over two hours. Um, and, uh... I was, I was just, like, shocked, and, like, climates is also, in a way, like, 
just like it's this chunk and then it's this chunk and then it's this chunk and like how it uh paces itself uh was very interesting and like how they relate to that like uh of just like it being like these conversations i mean that does feel like maybe the mode that Bombach has entered and that Meyerowitz stories is similar that's very deliberately episodic uh and it's interesting I think the other kind of bug that people had about marriage stories that I feel like there's this kind of contingent of people saying well it's good but why didn't Meyerowitz stories get all this attention which I think Meyerowitz stories is a great film that deserved a lot of attention the thing that maybe makes uh marriage story just a little bit more impressive to me is that i think that robbie ryan uh, photography is just really really phenomenal yeah i i mean i like meyerowitz stories uh quite a bit um but it's it's episodic nature was was a little was a lot more episodic for me i mean i feel i felt like i was following I was watching a, a, a variety of different stories kind of shake out. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think, I mean, I think Myra with stories really, um, I think it's probably Adam Sandler's best for best performance. And, you know, I thought it was a shame that he didn't, uh, didn't get more recognition for it. But I mean, look, the reason why Myra with stories didn't get the kind of audience that it maybe should have is it's called the Meyerowitz stories parentheses new and select. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's just so, I mean, I think it's a hilarious title. I think it's very charming, but it's yeah. kind of like, you know, if you want to talk about an anti-audience title, like that's, I mean, I get like, I like the movie and I still kind of don't want to watch it again. Cause I think of the title. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> like, yeah. just like marriage story. We know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, marriage story is just kind of like, yeah, here, here it is. Um, there was a marriage and there's a story. Yeah. Cause we didn't, we also, we didn't know the title of marriage story until I think like pretty close to when it was announced in the TIFF lineup. I feel like it was like yes. untitled Noah Baumbach for a while. And then it's like, Oh, Noah Baumbach made a movie called marriage story. <laughs> like, Oh boy, we're really in for it with this one. I feel yeah. like was like the, the sense that I got when they finally announced. I don't remember was. if it had that title when I saw it. Cause I saw it like a couple of months before TIFF. Um, and mm. cause you know, they were trying to get coverage in New York magazine. So I, I saw it early and I remember, um, I mean, I know leading up to it, it was like, you know, there's, we have untitled Noah Baumbach and they were like, it's really good. You should watch it. And I'm, you know, I, I run hot and cold on Baumbach. Like I, I like a lot of his films uh, and a couple of, that I don't like, but none of his films has ever really just exploded for me. Like, I mean, I really like Squid and the Whale, I guess, but you know, I'm not, I'm not a Noah Baumbach stan, you know? Um, so I was kind of like really dreading this. I was, oh God, man, another Noah Baumbach movie. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, holy shit. Um, yeah. You know, um, but uh, which is also why I feel like it's, it's, it's weird to see, uh, like, I really thought it would get, I mean, it did fine. It got Oscar nominations. It, it went viral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great success for him. The memes are insane. Like that, it's legacy in terms of memes is bananas. <laughs> well, one thing that I found fascinating was with both Marriage Story and The Irishman, I mean, you saw the power of Netflix because these films came out theatrically. They were in theaters for a month. You know, they got their reviews. Mm-hmm. There was some discussion. I mean, obviously, lots of my friends went and saw The Irishman at, you know, wherever it was showing in New York or in L.A. 
Um, and then a month or six weeks later, after they had kind of come out, suddenly I see these things pop up all over my timeline. I'm like, what the hell happened? And I was like, oh, right. Yeah. It premiered on Netflix. Like it dropped on Netflix right. and just like the world went bananas. Um, and that was when you, I felt like I, like I now see the power of Netflix. I, I now see their yeah. ability to take, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a freaking Noah Baumbach, you know, relationship drama. And suddenly, like, right. the whole world is talking mm-hmm. about it. I'm like, okay. This Make it the center of online life, yeah. For... And it's, yeah, yeah. The, that scene also, like, I think people will, um, like, the big scene that is, like, the meme is them having the argument where he ends up punching the wall. And, like, I think it, people will, like, criticize it as, like, being, like, overacting or, like, overacted. Um, but I think it, like, toes the line in a way that doesn't spill over for me. But, like, I wonder, like, if, if, like, <laughs> it's, like, a weird thing to think about, um, but I wonder if, like, Mank will have a lot of memes, like, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be, like, because if you look, like, even just, like, the year before Marriage Story is, like, Roma, and, like, people talked about Roma, just, like, I think the joke was, like, that it was on Netflix and everyone was gonna, like, watch it on, like, an iPhone or whatever, but it wasn't the permeation of, like, people just would not stop doing it. And, like, it still happens today. Like, you can just look, and there's, like, plenty of, like, Mayor's Story memes. Um, and then Irishman also. Like, it's interesting to think of it that way that, like... And especially this year where Netflix isn't doing anything in theaters, and it's all just... Um, or, no, they didn't. They, they are doing theaters. They're they just making doing festivals. gestures yeah. towards some kind of theatrical release for stuff. Yeah, yeah I think like Hillbilly Elegy is going to be in theaters and stuff. Well, they've been they've been ironically enough they've they've been a little better about releasing movies in theaters than a lot of other places have. I mean, I think you know because Mank mm-hmm. I think is opening in theaters this weekend. Yes, um, right, right, right. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, I think there are a couple other films that they released in theaters this year. I mean, you know. Netflix is because of who they are. Obviously, they're they're like the one major distributor, um, mainstream distributor that was able to just stick with its schedule, um, mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's kind of impressive. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, when Oscars come around. But that scene, that the, the scene that went viral, you know, what's what's fascinating about it now is, um, you know, because I was watching the rewatching the movie last night, and you know. That you know that scene has. I mean, those, those, those shots have become so familiar that as soon as that scene starts, because you know you see what she's wearing and you see what he all oh, oh, yes yes right. um, mm-hmm. and it's like but but that scene starts like almost with them calling a truce and having this kind of very right. civil conversation. Yeah. So it's like a horror movie because you know where it's going. Uh, yeah, and you're, I'm just watching the whole thing. I'm like, oh my god, this. I mean, it really is like you're watching a slasher movie where you're just like, you know, this person mm-hmm. is here, and there's like a guy with a knife in the other room, and you just you're just waiting <laughs> for it to happen. But watching it yeah. in that light, um, I was also struck by how beautifully constructed that scene is, and how well it ramps up mm. from that like god, it's so good. because it, because it feels like you're getting a break from all the vitriol. Like it's suddenly like, like okay, yeah. finally, you know, they're going to just be like humans about this. And it just, it just escalates and escalates and escalates until it's just unbearable. I mean, I think that scene itself, you could take out and turn into, I know this is a terrible thing to say about a, a scene that I consider very cinematic, but 
you could turn that into a brilliant one act play. I mean, you could put that on stage. With yeah, probably. Yeah. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you'd knock people's socks off. Because it yeah. goes from like, uh, where they're just you, like, you're saying there's civil and he's like, uh, I have them this weekend. I'm like, well, we got to do this thing this one day. He's like, I have them. And they're just like back and forth about that. And then it just keeps going. Yeah, keeps and going. it's more of thing where it's like, I understand why this, the meme sort of did it a disservice because what is beautiful about that scene is, yeah, it is the ramp up. It is how it begins quietly and eventually builds up to it. But also, like, within the context of the movie, what I like about that scene is how sort of embarrassing and over the top it gets to be. Like, it is a yeah. person sort of making their, like, mm. like a person who feels like they haven't been heard making, like, their loudest and most embarrassing plea to, like, for to connect to somebody and for her to like understand where she is coming from so it is sort of in i i guess in my interpretation supposed to be like sort of like he is he is not being just like a normal even cool like even keel guy that it, it, yeah. it is also not supposed to be like realistic he is being sort of performatively over the top in that scene because he wants that attention and what when i watched it sort of just before mm -hmm. that wave but like at tiff that was what what struck me about it is like how sort of like vulnerable that scene is in a way that people like movies sort of sometimes hesitate being because I think they are scared of like seeming over the top or seeming like they're doing too much especially like I feel like it I feel like this used to be a it, we used to be more okay with like those sorts of like loud expressions of emotion and now we're sort of like a sort of more muted society so the movies sort of reflect that and it also just like, it sort of like blew me, blew myself off just like the subtle work that both Driver and Johansson are doing in that scene of just like, sort of responding to what the other person is doing without, without it seeming like, I don't know how to describe, like without it seeming like a movie, it seems like they are honestly responding to what, like it. Like, yeah. we all know it's a movie and it's, like, a scene that was written, but it, it, it does seem like they are honestly responding to what I, each of them is doing in a way that is very striking. Yeah. Um, Alright, I I want to talk about the Sondheim of it all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. is, Cullen uh, stole a little bit of my glory earlier, as I, I'm, like, you know, Sondheim is, like, maybe the most important artist in my life. So, the... Uh, so... So what is so fascinating for me in this is uh, is that there's everyone talks about being alive, but there's but there's two numbers from company in this movie, right? And the the way that they're in contrast with each other, right? Where first you see her and her sister and her mother doing uh, you could drive a person crazy at a party with a bunch of people. Uh, and, like, it's very clear that they've, like, rehearsed this number for parties, like, they have a little dance routine and everything. Everyone's, like, really having a good time with it and enjoying uh, it, uh, that, um, that, like, and they're, and they're doing, like, this light, fun, like, charming number. And, like, it's, it, I think it does reflect sort of how Nicole is, is, is like, she's able to be more among her people now, right? She's able to sort of be in this, in this, in this world in LA where she like has like a little bit of like the New York sophistication to her, right? Where she's like able to do Sondheim numbers for, for at LA parties. But, um, but she has, yeah, but, she, but she's like sort of found that her, her peace and her, her people there. And then you, and then it immediately goes to the scene where like Adam, where, where Charlie like wanders into the bar is like, 
complaining about what's been going on with his life to like all his like New York friends at one point is like, Oh, I'm sorry for complaining so much. And everyone's like, Oh no, it's fine. Whatever. And then the, 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 uh, the, the underscoring for being alive starts and he, the way he plays it off is like a, should I, should I not? And like, goes up to the microphone like starts singing from his seat and goes up to the microphone and sings the song he sings the song he does all the voices the way like that like a kid like a kid who grew up like watching the tonys or whatever and listening to the company cast album would do (laughs) right and but then he does the song in such a showboaty way in a way where like it's very much he is like i need to like have this moment of catharsis now in the way that that song is like the climax of in the moment of realization in the act in the show company right but you really feel him like pushing it i feel like like yeah. like you really do get the sense that like he's maybe not totally getting the song right it's like not like the most incredible version of that song you've ever heard and like there's a certain aspect where i do definitely feel like he doesn't really get what this song is and he is instead like using it for like a catharsis and an epiphany that he like hasn't quite totally really actually had right and he he performs the whole number and like does it like like at one point like heads like back towards where he was sitting and then like goes back up to the microphone to do yeah. the ending of the song um and like at the after the song he like does his like weird like breathe into the mic thing where he's like whoo i really just had a moment and like I thought it was so fascinating, especially in contrast with or in, in conversation with the note that he gives Nicole early on, where he tells her, like, I saw you like pushing like for the emotion tonight in the play. And like I just think it's so fascinating that like he does this you know, one of my favorite songs of all time. He like doesn't quite nail it really in, in the in the text of the movie, I think. And, like, is also, like, maybe sort of indulging in, in, in some of the stuff that he has, like, found a problem in her performing uh, earlier on. So I just, you know, I've, ha- I've had a lot of thoughts on that scene forever. Yeah. I wanted to sort of get through them. I do <laughs> think the sort of, like, don't make me sing energy of it is, like, very yeah. depressing. <laughs> and, like, him going back up and it's like, come on, dude, you're, like, missing the mark here. Well, he... Um... You know, all throughout the movie, and actually this is another thing that he shares uh, with, with the guy in climates. they both take up so much space. Yeah, they're big like, guys. Yeah, yeah. And emotionally, they just take up so much space. And I, I think both films actually play on that idea. I mean, it helps that, you know, both actors are just like these, you know, these strapping tall, you know, like <laughs> specimens of maleness. But um, the... Uh, but like that, the juxtaposition of those two numbers, you know, tells you all you need to know because you know, it's just, in one, it's kind of communal. It's it's fun. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's collaborative. It's it's you know, it's engaging. And the other one is just like it's just him. I mean, here he is in a room full of theater people, and mm-hmm. he's just like I'm gonna I'm like watch me, everybody. I'm yeah, gonna yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a huge Sondheim person, so I, I know so many critics kind of took exception to to to, to this scene, um, which I thought was was a little bizarre. And a lot of them seemed to think that this was the climax of the film, um, when I would argue that it's the the climax of the film is is the, the next scene when you know his son finds her thing and and reads the. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I mean, I, that's a, yeah. such a powerful moment that I'm kind of like, wait, mm-hmm. th- th- like that's the climax of the movie. This is, this right. is something else. But also, I think, you know, the other thing is, I mean, I, I, I like, you know, I, I like the fact that the song is called "Being Alive," and you know, this this scene is kind of proof of life for him because previously, last time we saw him, he was fainting in his kitchen. You know, that scene is insane. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like. You know, there's a certain amount of, I, I think that the, the, the film is also kind of playing with that a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, the knife scene is insane. I like, when I first watched it, like, it had obviously not been spoiled for me. And it just, you know, he just does it. And it's like, uh oh. And then he's like, it, it, it uses, like, you were talking earlier about, like, uh, if Bombbox like, sort of hit or miss for you. Um, and, like, I definitely prefer him more in his, like, comedies, like, Mistress America and, like, Francis Ha are some of my favorites of his. Um, and, like, when this indulges more in the comedy, I'm, like, very on its side. And, like, the yeah. sort of physical comedy of him, like, oh, trying to open the door for her as he's, like, getting blood but, all yeah. over the wall. The number of times he invades her space it's while insane. actively bleeding is, like, the number of ways he's able to find to, to get him to do that is so good. Um, <laughs> the other bits that it mines for comedy that, like, I think are great is, like, all Weaver and Haggerty are so funny and like when weaver is just she's got the letter in one hand and like a glass of wine in the other and she just like is gesturing super wildly with it and she's talking to i I think it's before driver gets there and she's just like talking she's like i'm hot and it's like screaming (laughs) and it's just her energy is so good um and then when she's doing like the british accent as she like accidentally serves some of the papers and uh she's like i'm sorry (laughs) It's so it's so funny. This film has some of the best, I think, um, just entrances of, of all time. You know, we we talk, and I've I've written about this, but like Laura Dern's, yeah, you know, like introduction is so great. But you you forget that like the next scene, I think, is Weaver's introduction, mm-hmm. and she's it's a killer. Also yeah, so uh-huh. like, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, dude, why do I have to give it to him? like? I, I feel like the whole film is built around. I mean, there's a certain theatricality to it, right? But um, with this ability to just kind of like, you know, present these actors to you like, all right, here is this person. And, you know, I, 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 I think that's a, just a really fun thing that he does throughout the film that I think maybe hasn't quite gotten um, the, you know, enough appreciation. Even just everything with Ray Liotta. I mean, well, Liotta's Ray Liotta so good. <laughs> shows up and then his little back and forth with Ted, right? Yeah, and yeah. then when Ray Liotta comes yeah. back into the picture, um, it's all just so beautifully done and, and so effective. Um, you know, like it's, it's just, it's a really well told story in that sense as well. Um, yeah, anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I can never say enough things about this movie. I, I just find it so, so wonderfully made. There's um, yeah. like, yeah, the supporting cast of like, Leota has a great line that like killed me when I was watching it this time where he's like talking about like all the stuff that driver can get and he's like and you don't want to leave your kid alone what do you say his name was Fred and he's like no he's like who's Fred why is that in my head and then um Wallace John is so like exists just to be like the horny old guy and there's like uh I don't know I think we talked about this on our episode where we talked about uh the Matrix Reloaded but there's a scene where um Harold Perrineau uh, comes into his house and he's like, where's my put? And he like gets cut off and it's like such a weird line. And there's a bit in Marriage Story where Sean 
He, he, it just like cuts to him in the middle of a conversation, and he goes, four time Oscar winner, sucking my, and then like the movie cuts him off, and it's like, Jesus Christ, man. And it's just, it's just such a funny thing for Walsh to like exist only as that guy in this movie. Yeah. The other big thing I love about this so much, and like, uh, is Randy Newman's score, which I think is just like incredible. And like, uh, I don't know what it's called, like on the this like the score itself, um, but the scene like at the end where she's like tying his shoes when they're in the Halloween costumes is like one I'll throw on all the time just because it sounds so good. Yeah, lo- low key a great Halloween movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, it should they should probably uh, you know it'd be an interesting double feature with uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. You know. Okay. <laughs> Next Halloween, I'm gonna show up to places with a fistful of drywall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Does anyone have any wrapping up final thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I really love Marriage Story. I think yeah, it's 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 a, uh, it's it's I like I I just sort of love sitting in it and like and like marinating in it and like I just like the way that it sort of like pulls you in. I really love and I do think like obviously like climates is like there's a lot more like tough stuff in that one right where it's like uh, mm-hmm. it, it does hold you a little more at a remove but i do, do think it does often have the same like gripping like really like pulls you in uh, energy yeah uh, throughout much of the movie yeah i think those films just really really watchable I yeah. mean, uh, you know, Cl- Climates is probably the Jaylon film I've seen the most. Um, it might also be because it's the shortest. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought, actually, it's not. I mean, Small Town is the shortest, but I don't, I don't mm-hmm. like that one that much. But um, but I do think that uh, it's, you know, I mean, both of these films, in their own different ways, you see, you find something new each time, you know, you watch them. In, in Climates' case, it's because it's so subtle and so minimalist that you... Yeah, it might be like a little gesture you discover or some visual element. Um, and then in Marriage Story, it's just such an just overloading you with with, with data. <laughs> that there's just so much stuff you'll miss. I mean, I'm still yeah. not, you know, there's still probably Wallace Shawn lines that I have yet to yeah. discover from that movie, you know? Um, yeah, there's a, there's like the line, it's just like, a, it is chock full, where there's like the line where she's on the set and someone's like, there's always a flirty grip. <laughs> it's like such a specific joke. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, very, very good. Oh, actually, one thing I, I caught this time that I hadn't realized, you know, it's it's funny because they show s- s- snippets of his play, um, of his mm-hmm. plays mm-hmm. in that introductory section. And, you know, they're so kind of, <laughs> you know, pretentiously, yeah. you know. It's, yeah, it's yeah. very yeah. Downtown, downtown Eva Van Hove right. stuff, yeah. But then, you know, when she's in, uh, when she's in LA and she's doing, you know, the show um, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're, putting all the stuff on her and she's holding the the fake baby and it's all yeah. obviously meant for effects. You know, he presents that as look, this, this shit is even weirder. Than yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I like this is the fir- first time that I caught that, that echo there where, you know, mm-hmm. the, the stuff that's ostensibly really populist is in the moment that you're doing it is even weirder than, you know, the weirdo underground, you know, New York drama that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this was really great. Uh, thank you so much for yeah, coming and talking to us, Bilga. Uh, yes. Do you have anything you want to plug? Oh God. Uh, no, nothing particularly right now. Um, I'm. You know, I can always be found at vulture.com. 
is where I'm writing full time these days. Uh, mm-hmm. And then occasionally at, you know, Criterion Collection and stuff like that. But thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun. No, yeah. Thank yeah, you thank so you much so for much. being on. <laughs> yeah, we really, mm-hmm. yeah, this is great. Uh, All right. Well, you can you can find us uh, on Twitter at Can I Kick It. You can find us on Letterboxd at CIKI Pod. You can find me on either of those platforms at JP Glick Weber. Uh, I am almost done plugging the uh, top ten <laughs> albums of all time, uh, as decided by me. Uh, and I, I think this is my second to last one. I'm going to go with uh, Magnolia Electric Company, the Songs Ohio album. Uh, the This is the last Songs Ohio album before Jason Molina starts performing with the band Magnolia Electric Company. Uh, very confusing, but uh, great kind of rock, kind of folky, rootsy album. Uh, and really, especially the opening track is like an absolute <laughs> all-timer. Great. All right, Andy? Great. Uh, yeah, so I'm Andy. You can find me on uh, Twitter uh, and uh, Letterboxd at Andy T. Germ, and I guess other social media uh, platforms that you want to find me on. Uh, for my continued plugging of uh, my favorite Tony Award performances, this week I'm going to plug uh, Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1812, from the 71st Tony Awards, uh, a really fun number. Uh, you see Dave Malloy, the composer, get pulled up and, and starts to play the piano for, for part of it. Uh, just a really uh, great energy from a great show. Uh, Cullen. Yeah, I'm Clashley on everything. And uh, we were talking about Merritt Weaver. I just watched the Scott Frank Netflix show Godless. She's incredible in that. Everyone watched Godless. Emilio. You can follow me on Letterboxd at I Laugh Alone. You can follow me on Twitter at I'm Laugh Alone. I have nothing to plug. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can our theme song is by Tree Related. You can find them at SoundCloud.com/TreeRelated or search Tree Related on Spotify. Check them out. All right, great. And with that, I will go ahead and release our audience. Bye. Somebody crowned me with love. Somebody forced me to care. Somebody let me come through. I'll always be there, as frightened as you, to help us survive.